For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Caleb Cabe. I'm the pastoral intern here at Reconcile Community Church, and I've been working here uh, for a little over a year now. Um, so today, we're going to be reading from John chapter 18, so you can go ahead and pull it up on your phone or your Bible if you brought a Bible. When I was young, um, I was in a botany class in elementary school, and we did the science experiment. We took a seed, and we put it into a Ziploc bag, and we put a little bit of water in there, left a little bit of air in the bag, and we let it grow in the bag to see what would happen. And I remember watching, it's, it's weird because normally when you plant a seed it's in the ground so you don't really see what's going on as it's growing. But with it in a Ziploc bag you could actually see what was happening to the seed and, at, and to the plant as it was starting to sprout up. And I noticed that the seed was breaking apart and it was being destroyed as the plant was growing. And I think a lot of times in life we can feel like we're that seed. That our lives are being torn apart. That is, is being broken. The things that we thought would happen are not happening. And our world is falling apart around us. And this is, this is where uh, the disciples find themselves in John chapter 18 this morning. They had been following Jesus and His ministry. They had been teaching with Him. They had been, been healing people and casting out demons. And from their perspective, everything had been going great up until this point. People were coming. There were, there were crowds following Jesus. And then everything takes a turn at this point. And things begin to change. And so from their perspective, from the disciples' perspective, everything was falling apart. But from God's perspective, everything was actually falling into place. And that's what we're going to read about this morning in John chapter 18. I think, I think sometimes we have this picture in our mind that the world operates as there's good and there's evil and they're fighting against each other. And sometimes we can be like on the edge of our seat wondering what's going to happen. Is good going to win? Is evil going to win? Because we think of them as two equal powers. But the reality is that God is so much more powerful than Satan. God has so much more authority than Satan. And so this morning we're going to answer the question, what is our hope when our lives fall apart? When we're going through suffering, when we're going through pain, when we're going through trials, what is our hope? What can we cling to when everything around us is falling apart? So let's read John chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, After Jesus had said these things, He went out with His disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, and He and His disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed Him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with His disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. 
Then he asked them again, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you, I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the, the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. And Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest. So he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews gather, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped Jesus, saying, Is this the way you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And Peter denied it again. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, You take him and judge him according to your law. But it's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. And then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that it wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, said Pilate. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. 
You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for giving us your word so that we can know you, so that we can know your heart and know how you feel about things. God, help us to, as we study this word, to, to, to learn about you. Help us um, help open our eyes by the Holy Spirit. God, help change our hearts. Help us to follow you and obey you. God, would you change us by your spirit through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so that was, that was a pretty long story, so I'm just going to recap real quick what was going on in case you got lost along the way. So Jesus and his disciples, they were sitting in the garden and they were praying. And then soldiers came up and they took Jesus and they arrested him. Now while they were trying to arrest Jesus, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, ran up and started fighting the soldiers. And he cut off a man's ear. And then Jesus told him, put your sword away. So Jesus was taken, he was arrested, and he went to trial. And they were trying to find charges to bring up against Jesus. And then the rest of the story, it keeps going back and forth between Jesus at trial and Peter, one of his disciples, following Jesus around. And Jesus, while he's at trial, they're trying to come up with charges, and Peter keeps denying that he knew Jesus while he's following Jesus around. So that's, that's the story. And as I said before, from the perspective of the disciples, from, from Peter's dis- perspective, everything they had been working towards was being destroyed. The disciples, some of the disciples thought that Jesus was going to be the king, that he was going to, to take up his, his kingdom on this earth, and that he would overthrow the, the, the Roman Empire, and they would have peace in their land again. And so everything they had been working towards, they had, they had gathered a following, people had been learning about Jesus, people were being healed. And with Jesus being arrested, all of that was being threatened and being taken away. And so we're going we're gonna to look at the comparison of Jesus and Peter. We're going to look at, at a couple things that we can learn from seeing Jesus' reaction to everything falling apart. And then we're going to learn a couple of things from Peter's reaction when everything was falling apart. So first of all, let's look at Jesus. The, the first thing that we can learn from Jesus is that even when everything seems out of control, Jesus is still in control. Look at verse 4. It says that he knew what was about to happen. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out to them. A lot of the times when, when we are, are enduring suffering, when we are in pain, when trials are coming in our life, we can ask the question, God, do you even know what's happening? Do you even know what's going on in my life right now? Are you aware of the things that I'm going through? And we can rest assured knowing that Jesus knows what is going on in our lives. He knows the little details that we are going through. And not only does he know about those things, but Hebrews says that Jesus can sympathize with us in those things. Because 
all of the suffering that we feel here on this earth, all the things that we endure, Jesus endured those things when He was on the earth. Jesus felt pain. He felt betrayal. And He felt suffering. And so, when we are going through suffering, when we are going through trials, we, we sometimes ask, God, do you know what's going on? And the answer is yes. Jesus knows what's going on. And He Himself has felt the same pain that we are feeling. So we can rest assured. We can have hope knowing that Jesus knows what is going on. And not only does He know what's going on, it, it, it's not enough that He just knows. If He knew what was going on and didn't have any power, that's not, that doesn't give us hope. But Jesus has authority over the situation. He didn't run when the soldiers came. He didn't fight when the soldiers came. So you may be thinking to yourself, oh, Jesus was soft. But no, nah, He wasn't soft. He was in control. Look at verse 6. It says, when Jesus told them, I am He, they stepped back and fell to the ground. I was reading in a commentary this week. They said there were probably 200 soldiers that had come to arrest Jesus. Maybe even up to a thousand. Because they, they sent so many soldiers because they didn't want a riot breaking out when they came to arrest Jesus because he, he had such a following. So Jesus, when he said, I am he, that was him claiming deity. He was claiming that he is God. When Jesus claimed that he was God, at least 200 soldiers fell to the ground before him. See, Jesus claimed to authority is backed up by His power. You ever heard someone talking smack before they start playing a basketball game or something? And then you start playing them in the game and they get real quiet? <laughs> you like, you was talking a minute ago, what's up? What's happening? This is not how Jesus is. Jesus claims to have authority. He claims that He is God. And He actually backs it up with His power and with His authority. This, this, this picture here reminds me of Saul. He was persecuting Christians. He was on the road to Damascus to persecute more Christians. And when he saw Jesus, when Jesus appeared to him, he immediately fell to the ground. Paul was real tough before he saw Jesus. Jesus has authority. And, and, and Saul, seeing the glory of Jesus was blinded by it. Man, Jesus has authority and He is in control. The only reason that they could arrest Jesus was because He allowed them to. So let's flip over to Peter and let's see what we can learn. It says in verse 10, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, he drew it, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? So Peter, Peter thought that Jesus was going to become the king. He thought that Jesus was going to rule. And so he did the logical thing when people came to arrest Jesus. He said, oh, it's going down. We're about to start a fight right here. And he was defending Jesus, or so he thought. 
But here's, here's a warning for us. We can believe that we are doing God's will while we are actually fighting against it. See, Peter, Peter thought that he was doing God's will. He thought he was defending Jesus and protecting Jesus when in reality he was fighting against God's plan. God's plan was that Jesus would come and he would be arrested and he would go to trial and he would die. And Peter is fighting against that plan. And this is why we need the Word of God. This is why we need to be studying the Word of God every day. Learning. Because we need to know what God's will is. So we're not fighting against it. In Psalms 119.105, it says that God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In other words, we don't know where the path is if we're not reading God's Word. We can't move forward. We're going to end up often in loss. If we're not in God's Word, it shows us where we should go. And, and later on, in, in the earlier in that chapter, it says, I'm hitting your Word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Man, if we're not in God's Word, if we're not reading His Word, if we're not studying His Word, coming to church and hearing God's Word proclaimed, we could be sinning against God and not even know that we are in sin. God's Word is, is a guardrail for us. It protects us from doing things that we, that we wouldn't even know are wrong. And so Peter, Peter believed something not true about God and it caused him to fight against God's plan. This is, this is a tactic that the enemy would use against us. See, see, Satan tries to bring hardships to us sometimes so that we can, we can start to question who God is. When suffering comes, when trials come, we can start to ask God, are you there for us? God, are you in control? God, do you really have as much power as you say you do? God, do you really love me as much as you say you do? And if we're not grounded in the scripture, if we're not in the scripture learning about what God says about himself that we could be lost and we can, we can believe the lies that come into our head when we are in the midst of hardship and persecution and then ultimately Peter believing a lie and then sinning led him into a cycle of more sin Later on in the chapter, Peter is, is, people are coming up to Peter. They're saying, Peter, aren't you with Jesus? And Peter's saying, no. That wasn't me who, who cut off that dude's ear. That wasn't me. I wasn't in the garden there. I'm not with Jesus. When, when we fall into sin and we start to believe things about God that are not true, it can lead us into a cycle of more sin. And we'll be like a hamster on a wheel, just running in circles, but not going anywhere. Stuck in our sin. And there's one more thing that we can learn from this passage. It's that God uses the evil done against us to accomplish good. God uses evil for good. Man, look at the things that Jesus endured in this chapter. His trial was a joke. In that time period, 
when you were when you were in a trial, it was typically held during the day, and it would last for about two days. Jesus' trial was in the middle of the night, and it lasted for a couple hours. And they had, they had already decided what the verdict was going to be before Jesus was even taken there. They were just looking for something to pin on him. But they didn't find anything. They didn't find any charges they could bring against him. But they still knew that they wanted to kill him. They still knew that they wanted him to die. And so even though they had no charges, they sent him over to Pilate, who was the governor of that area. And then Pilate says, so what's the charges that you have against this man? And they said, you know. Pilate's like, no, what are the charges? They're like, well, if he wasn't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him here. Man, if that, if that happened today, there would be an outcry for justice. Jesus endured injustice. And it ultimately accomplished God's will. And it accomplished good for us. Jesus enduring suffering brought about our salvation. Jesus going through hardship and trials brought about our adoption as sons and daughters of God. So we can have hope when we are enduring suffering, when we are going through trials, when we are going through hardship, because we can know that God has brought this for a reason and He is accomplishing good in the midst of it. And the final hope, the final hope is that when our world falls apart, we do not belong to the kingdoms of this world. Jesus, when He's standing before Pilate, He says, My kingdom is not of this world. We belong to a kingdom that cannot be taken away. Every kingdom in history has risen and fallen. But we belong to a kingdom that will never be taken away, that will never fall, that will never be destroyed, that will never be corrupted. We belong to a kingdom where Jesus is the king and where he has authority, where the king loves us where the king loves us enough that he willingly laid down his life for us, although we were his enemies. So when we're going through trials, when we're going through persecution, when we're going through hardships, believe, believe that God is still on the throne. Believe that he is still in control. Believe that he loves you. Say, how do I know that he loves me? Because he died on the cross for you. He endured suffering and hardship for you. That is how you know that God loves you. That's how you know that God is good. And He is in control of everything. So we can have lasting hope when we're going through suffering.